Faces and Feels podcast is brought to you by Pario. Pario Magazine is a bi-monthly physical print magazine highlighting individuals with a desire to create. The latest issue of Pario Magazine is a special Aussie wrestling edition focusing on the heroes behind the scenes. Find Pario online at www.pariomagazine.com.au. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. It is the Infinite Man, a.k.a. T-I-M. How are you today, sir? Hello, greetings, salutations. I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I am very good. I'm so nice to see you finally. We did some dancing. We, we rescheduled a bunch of times, but we got here, man, and I'm so stoked to talk to you. Me as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your patience. I greatly appreciate it. No, no, anytime, man. I'm very happy to to get a chance to spend some time with you this morning. Um, man, let's just jump straight into it, dude. I, I, I just like to get to know people straight off the bat, man. So there's only one question in this podcast, well, one official question, and that's where, um, that is, what were some of the first faces that stood out to you in pro wrestling when you first started to get interested in it? Hmm. Well, I became a fan back in 1994. Uh, my grandfather was a fan originally, and he put me into it. He always watched uh, wrestling to Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the first person that stood out to me was Two Cold Scorpio. Uh, big, early man, so so much athleticism. He looked just like me and doing things that I would do in the backyard, in my parents' uh, living room, in school, off desks, everywhere. Uh, his athleticism, his dancing, and just his energy. Mm-hmm. It made me pay attention. Uh, men like him, uh, Davey Boy Smith, uh, William Regal, that, their match with uh, Halloween Havoc for the television title was the match that made me want to become a wrestler, actually. Yeah, wow. Age eight. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. So, oh, and I can't forget uh, my favorite luchador, one of my favorite luchadors, super crazy. Him, yeah. uh, Tajiri, and Will Guido, their triple threat matches in ECW were things that made me want to be a hot flyer. Yeah. The storytelling, the athleticism, and no matter where they were and where they were in the car, you knew they were how his name was crazy. Yeah. So it was things like that that made me an early fan. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you just know uh, when you see their name on the card, you're like, this is going to be a banger. Like, <laughs> they're, they're going to try and steal the show every single time, right? Most definitely. Yeah. Now, am I mistaken, or did I see a picture of you face-to-face with Two Cold Scorpio? Yes. Yes, it was. Um, I got had the honor of wrestling him uh, back in November wow. last year at WrestleCade uh, with Samuel Carolina. Wow. And that wasn't my first time wrestling him. Before I became the Infinite Man, I wrestled as Timmy Redden uh-huh. um, from 2014 to 2020. Yeah. yeah. And I got to wrestle him early in my uh, career, and it was literally just him. Almost as doing a solid uh, wrestling with a kid that was just crossing off his bucket list. I didn't know what I was doing back then. Yeah, but when I got to wrestle him at North Carolina in my hometown in a promotion that believed in me, it was a full circle moment. Yeah, it wasn't just a kid wrestling a legend; it was literally a man wrestling a man. Yeah, who has been on his journey, still continuing his journey, but it was one of those ones where people knew. Yeah, that's awesome. It it must be crazy. Um, like you say, I mean, to get that opportunity to do it twice, I mean, to step across the ring from him once, you're like, this is literally the first dude that I was ever, you know, about the first wrestler I, th- I thought was cool. But then to get to that point where you get a second opportunity to go like, now it's 
now it's wrestler versus wrestler kind of thing. And to to feel that confidence in yourself, it must it must have been nice. Did you get a chance to um, you know, get some feedback from him, some constructive criticism and things like that, and learn from the man himself? Most definitely, most definitely. Um, it was a three day weekend, and everything for me was just cooking on all cylinders. Uh, I got to wrestle in a lot of great matches. Friday, I was wrestling Shane Taylor Promotions yep. for the Ring of Honor uh, Six Man Championship. Then I got to wrestle Crazy Six Man that Saturday. Uh, it was me, Myron Reed, and Rich Swan mm. versus Colby Carino, M-Dog, Tony, Matt Cross, Whoa. and another hero of mine, and that was just crazy. Yeah. And Andrew Everett, all men that I looked up to wow. growing up in this business. Huge lineup. So that was a crazy match. And then to get to wrestle Scorpio on that Sunday. Yeah. Uh, getting to see him before the match. Uh, talk to or hang out with them. Um, I got to have my my merch table right next to him and just see him in action. Yes, see people still coming around the world to give him his flowers because while he was doing it in his prime, he didn't get what he what he should have. Yeah, but to see it, people come to thank him, to see what his match has done for him, done for them, and inspire them. It means a lot to him. It means a lot to me to see that. Yeah. So after the match, just talking and his words of affirmation and confirming the things that I've, I didn't believe in myself during my journey. And for a man that I watched as a kid, look me in my eyes and tell me the things that I'm doing, I need to keep doing and improve on and just keep going because I'm doing it my way. Mm-hmm. He said, there's no right or wrong way in your path. It's just your way. Mm-hmm. So learning that and hearing from him confirmed everything that I went through. Yeah. And I had to go through to get to that match. So I'm forever thankful for that moment. Yeah. That, that's so cool, man. That, it's really nice to hear that like a veteran like that would take take the time you know what i mean the the guy is a legend and he's you know carved his name into like the history of wrestling and what he has done for not only wrestling but you know african-american wrestling and things like that in a time when there wasn't really like the space for it and like you said he he probably didn't get what he deserved because of the time and stuff because he was so ahead of his time and stuff it's so nice to hear that he's still you know out there giving back and when you say that you can you know, look to the left and, and see him like selling merch and interacting with the fans. That's all part of it, right? It's not just the the few minutes in the ring. We were talking, we were actually talking a little bit off mic before and you were talking about the, the lengths you go to to get to that, you know, 15, 20 minutes in a ring and him just showing that, that it's not just that, you know what I mean? It's the entire aspect process. of being, a, yeah, exactly, the process of being a wrestler and him just still being an example of that is pretty amazing. Because he could just rock up and then leave, you know, like just turn up, do his 15 minutes, get his check, and there's plenty of veterans that do. I've known men and people who've gotten bigger accolades than him do that. Yeah, They show up, get what they wanted, and just leave, not interacting, not passing on knowledge that they've gathered in their journey, Mm -hmm. and be okay with that. But for Tuchel to take the time, not just me, it was other guys who were longer in his business than me, being fans of his, yeah. talking and sitting down on his learning tree, just t- getting any information they could. Yeah, and that's just the respect he's garnered on his journey. Yeah, it's like he said, he doesn't have to do or say anything to anybody, mm-hmm. and he's well his right. But him knowing the journey he went through when he was under the wing of Vader, yeah, and they toured Japan, he didn't have, Vader didn't have to do that. He did that because he knew something. He saw something in Tuco. Yeah. So Tuco applied that and pushed that in everybody. Yeah. Some of the hot, your best flyers, your best wrestlers got stuff in Tuco, learned from Tuco, loved Tuco. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you learn as much as you can from that man because he does not owe anybody anything. Mm-hmm. That's it. They say they say that the wrestling business like doesn't owe you anything you owe the wrestling business is a, a kind of phrase that I've heard in various sort of incarnations over the years. And it's, it's uh, really nice to see when people give back to what, you know, gave to them 
you know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's let's rewind a bit then and, and figure out how you got there, man. So um, you're obviously you're seeing those guys. You you start becoming a wrestling fan. Uh, how do you then start to make your journey towards training? Like, are you, are you just a fan and it stumbles across your door? Are you backyarding? What are you doing? Well, I started getting more into the backyard because uh, there was kids around the neighborhood, much like when kids play football or basketball. Uh, they're emulating the guys they see in the NBA or NFL. Yeah. You do the same thing in WCW or ECW or WWF when those three was the popular three. Um, but as kids start growing up, going to basketball, playing football, I was still the only person that wanted to do wrestling. Yeah. So I started wrestling in high school. I did pretty good. But after high school, it was just job, job, floating from there and there. I became a gymnastic instructor. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend at the time had had a conversation with me, and she had pushed me. She was like, all right, Tim, let's, let's make a deal with you. Uh, if you don't become training, become a wrestler at 27, you got to find something different because now you're just BSing yourself. So I looked at schools. I was looking at places. And come to find out, there was a school and a promotion down in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I was born and raised, but I never knew because I, I never really looked. Mm-hmm. But I went down there, uh, found Seymour Snot. He gave me his card. And when I saw the ring initially, it was almost like how a guy in the movies would see his first look, his first crush. Yeah. Everything was slow, <laughs> googly-eyed. And I was like, I don't know what I have to do, but I need to get in there. It's like Dreamweaver, I believe. Yes. <laughs> Set me free tonight. That's the one. That's it. <laughs> the sparkly circle. Like, <laughs> yeah. Now that's awesome. What, what do you feel to like to get in it for the first time? You know, something you've been Man. thinking about for like your whole life at that point. And I'm not going to lie, before I even got in that ring, I got in the boxing ring because my cousin's a boxer. Mm-hmm. And I was watching Tough Enough, and yeah. the episode was learning how to bump. So I got in the ring. I was like, all right, it's the same thing, same ring. I took a bump, and I lost all breath in my body, and I stayed there for like a good 10 minutes. And I contemplated, like, do I really want to do this? But that was a boxing ring. Yeah. Uh, fast forward to that moment. My first bump, was a choke slam. Oh, okay. Starting small then. Uh, there was like four guys in front of me that Seymour was training at the time. And they were like months ahead of me, but they're all little cocky, scrawny kids who would help and do other places. So they were bumping in here and there, and they asked me, and they had one guy who was setting the ring up. He was 6'3", mm-hmm. 275 pounds, and Seymour asked him, hey, could you help me a little bit? I was like, yeah, sure. And he asked, uh, he got us up in the ring to come in. His name was Sean. He was like, can you do my choke slam for me? He was like, I sure can. He looked at me, he's like, you still want to do this? I was like, before I can say yeah, Sean goozled me up. And me always watching videos and watching WWE, I always wanted to see, like, if I ever got choked, I'm going to jump as high as I can. Yeah. And as soon as he snatched me up, I jumped as high as I could. And it felt like forever. And when my body hit that mat, I was out. I was out cold. <laughs> I remember Simo waking me up. He's like, so, you still be a wrestler kid? I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> yes. What like, happened? Cool. <laughs> you didn't tuck your chin or what, what happened? You just clocked He didn't it. tell me anything. Yeah, yeah. So you just took it. <laughs> yeah. I guess it was more so of a test to see if I really wanted to do it because I know back in the day they had different ways of seeing how yeah. uh, tough you yeah. were. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was the his way of seeing. But him teaching me and getting on the road with him was pivotal for me because without him I wouldn't be here mm-hmm. I know that for a fact mm-hmm. so anytime I get a chance to tell people I was trained by him mm-hmm. uh, I know people around here they're almost shocked in a sense but when I tell the people especially from California they know him because he was trained in APW mm-hmm. uh, places that had the same guy as Bison Smith 
uh, Samoa Joe, uh, John Cena when he was the prototype, Christopher Daniels, Frank Kazarian, uh, almost a who's who's yeah. in California wrestling. Mm-hmm. So when I, t- I got the pleasure of wrestling Frank Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, I got to tell them who I was trained by. And you thought I would have said Elvis. They was like, Seymour, it's not. And it was yeah. a cool feeling because like, I told people around and they were like, oh, cool, that's, that's what's up, man. Or they don't be shocked because he's more, he's a gimmick wrestler with, uh, he's uh, the geek with the physique, uh, smart man with a yeah. million dollar body. But he knows how to wrestle. He can get down. He taught me. So when I tell people that, they don't believe me. Yeah. Like, that man is dirty when he wants to be. <laughs> so getting that pleasure to see that and being around him, I was trained for six months before I got to have my first match mm-hmm. with Seymour um, at a few plate in North Carolina. Uh, my mom was there. It was in a, a small little uh, thrift shop, cold. I think it was, it was 52 degrees that day. I got to wrestle him for my mom. It was 13 people sitting with my family. And I didn't care. Yeah. It was, even if that was my only match I got, I got to do something in my life that I can look back on and say, I tried. At least I tried. Mm -hmm. So once that happened, booking started to come in. And me and my girlfriend at the time, we didn't know it was actually going to take off that fast. So when I was actually gone a lot, that was the beginning of the end of that relationship. So thanks, Jessica. It's funny, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, people come in and out of your life. And, and so yeah. obviously she was really the one who encouraged you to do it. It, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be, you know, but for the, yeah. the life you were going to lead. But like, if she wasn't there, you know, you probably may not have started or, or found your way, you know? Well, definitely. So I always give her a shout out when I can. Yeah. Uh, from what I hear now, she's a great mother. And so she's living her life doing great things. So there's no hard feelings with that. It was just, me chasing my dream and clashing with hers and we knew we couldn't do that to each other. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I had sort of a similar crossroads, uh, when I met my wife, you know, cause I was like mm-hmm. band guy and touring and doing all that kind of stuff, you know? And yeah. like, no Joe, I, I feel like I was a, a fucking dick about it, man, because like, we, like we, we get together and within like a month of us being together, like I then went on tour for a month and I was just like, Peace. And like, just like rolled. And like, you know, we're going around New Zealand and different things like that. And she just wants to talk to me on the phone, but I kind of like hate phone calls and I'm doing my thing. And I'm just like, I'm living my dream. Stop trying to control me. You know, that kind of dumb shit that you do, you know. And we, yeah. we butted heads over it heaps of times. Obviously, now I married her. So you know how that story sort of ended up. But, but it's hard to find that balance, you know, between, really you know, is. what you really want to do. And I'm like, you knew this about me. This is what I wanted to do. And she's like, and I don't want to stop you doing that. I just want to like hear from you occasionally, you know? Right. <laughs> and I'm That's not, it. I'm That's like not out there trying to like hook up with chicks or anything like that. I'm just trying to like travel and be with my friends and like do what I'm there to do, you know? So yeah, I can definitely relate to how I'm sure that whole situation sort of went when you're on the road all the time, you know? Man, I think I spent one weekend when I didn't have a show. And it just popped in my head. I was like, man, this feels weird. Yeah. And she just looked at me. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I just got used to be on the road. So, like, being here, I was still trying to process. I never got a chance to process who I was outside of wrestling. So, mm-hmm. when I got to do it, I put everything into wrestling. Mm-hmm. So, when I wasn't, I wasn't trying to find out what I was or what I needed to do outside of it. I was just all right, when can I go back on the road again? Yeah. And that was a problem. So. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard that story as well from, you know, all, all sorts of entertainers, um, you know, wrestlers, band people. Uh, we were watching RuPaul's Drag Race last night and they even talked about something similar, you know, that you've got the persona and you do all these things and then yourself, the real you, starts to sort of take a back seat. 
like where, when the band ended, I was like no longer Rafe, the the band guy, the bass player from Discord that I was for ten years. I was now just some guy, like well, in my mind, that's what it was, and that was like a little bit of an adjustment. And for you, where you're actively, you know, building a persona and building who you are and trying to, you know, train and and raise your profile and stuff like that. That downtime then feels like you're sliding, you know, and you're like, then, yeah. I I felt like almost in the sense of this, like most people in wrestling or just in anything, we didn't go to college after high school. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get a chance to be free or live out our lives or make those mistakes Mm -hmm. uh, without the watchful eye of the world. So we get into wrestling, we make these lives of who we want it to be outside of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Almost like a video game, we're now inside of something we want to be in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to, we're always trying to up our level, up our power, but we're never trying to work on our weaknesses. We don't want anyone to see that. Yeah. So when all that comes about, 2020, I can't help but thank 2020. I know a lot of things happen in between, but for me, it forced me to look at Timothy. I couldn't be Timmy Lou Retton. I couldn't be this wrestler because wrestling stopped. Everything stopped for everybody. Yeah. So it made me sit and really evaluate who I was mm-hmm. and how I showed up to things that made me not appear in my best light. Mm-hmm. So when things like that come about, you really have to figure out who you are as a person before you can show yourself to the world because the world is always going to show their best selves or try to anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny. Um, it's, it's almost like a bit of a theme through like the interviews I've been doing well since I started the podcast, like, cause I started it, you know, uh, what September, 2020 and like COVID, I always say has sort of been a blessing and a curse in some ways, obviously a curse because of the way everything's gone, but for some people and for some companies and especially in like wrestling, it, that hard stop was almost a good thing in some ways for some people, you know, people like yourself. There's quite a lot of people that had time for that self-reflection, had time to go to the drawing board to think about what they wanted to present, to think about what, you know, their company is going to be, their, their persona is going to be, in, look at injuries they've been carrying around, you know what I mean? And I, I really feel like we're now hitting like a golden age of professional wrestling because just of that hard stop. And then everyone's like, this was almost gone. Now I've got to reevaluate and everybody's so hungry. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if by the time this is all said and done and all this COVID stuff is gone, I think we're, we're really going to see the, the best of what wrestling has to offer, like from companies, I, from I wrestlers. Agree, definitely because it's almost in a sense... Like a relationship, mm-hmm. it gets really mundane where you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. So it only becomes a job. Yeah. Once you do a job, you don't really like the job. It's like you know how to do the job and how to perform the task. Mm-hmm. But if you're not being pushed or not being creative, it's just, okay, here. And that's what I felt like wrestling was doing. Like we always hit that plateau. And it was getting good. Everyone was getting bookings. Everyone was doing good stuff. And then 2020 said, nope, big restart. And we all thought it was going to be like a month or two and everyone was still making these plans, making these bookings. But when we really had to sit down, it was, okay, we have a chance to rest our bodies. Mm-hmm. And everyone needs to rest that because we were just pushing each other and pushing ourselves to being near the brink of death, mm-hmm. uh, rest our minds. Because that's a form of chaos that we can't even describe to anybody else but ourselves mm-hmm. and just isolation and see what was wrong for ourselves like for me I had to reevaluate everything I was doing not just inside the ring but outside the ring I had to work on my health I lost close to 85 pounds wow um, but with that I didn't work on my mind I still felt and thought I was 285 mm-hmm. so in matches I get I felt like I was getting tired easily or I cheat myself and not push myself as I could. Mm-hmm. Or when mentally 
yeah, I lost the weight, but I wasn't working on myself to where I could be around people. Because mm-hmm. uh, with wrestling, I can talk for damn near anyone's headline. But outside of that, politics, life, religion, uh, TV shows, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I was just so just caught up in wrestling. So anything that came about, I just back off and then just be into the background. I had yeah. to work on admitting when I wasn't the most smartest man in the room. I had to kill my ego in that mm-hmm. because you can't grow with that. Mm-hmm. You can't ask for help. You're not going to want to better yourself when you feel like you're the best already. Yeah. So a lot of things had to be done and changed in my process and elevation, but I can't help but thank the universe for letting me that because if 2020 didn't happen and we just keep going, i still probably be Timmy Lee Bratton still be doing the same things I was doing. So mm-hmm. I can't help but thank 2024 and me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. And, yeah, I, I've heard that sort of story quite a few times now. You know what I mean? I know quite a few people um, feel that way. I kind of wish it could have happened a different way and had people not being sick oh, and God. still be able to, to travel and all those things. But in trying times and stuff, you've got to look for the silver lining, you know, and if you – if you, you break it down and you look at how you make the most of that time, um, then, you know, it's not wasted time and it's not for nothing, which, it, which is something. Um, now that you can, you know, travel, you've changed, you've improved your body. Uh, like, like you say, you're, um, you look like you're in the best shape of your life. I've seen photos of, like, where you were, like, as, as Timmy Lou, and, yeah, you, you've dropped a lot of weight and you're looking like you're ready for business uh it yeah you might you must be feeling good and ready to go and you've been getting these great opportunities i've been seeing what you've been doing uh you're carrying titles in multiple promotions you've shown up on aw dark now like you must be ready to go man like yeah like you've done that time you've done that self-reflection it's like let's get it yeah yeah it really is yes it's like mm. You first start this journey and you're going through all this. You're supposed to have not have your doubts, but you have your moments of is this really real? You pinch yourself, yeah. you take it in, you try to process everything. But with everything that's happened and me truly feeling like I've changed completely, like 180, I know for a fact that I'm ready. It's like mm-hmm. I can be in the ring. And AW Dark, I can be in the ring with some of their, their best. I have. I've wrestled Adam Page multiple times. I wrestled MJF. I wrestled some of their best. And not just in AEW, WWE. I wrestled places in Impact. I wrestled Chris Bay. I've wrestled Two Four Scorpio. I've wrestled a lot of people. And it's not just them carrying me or making it seem like it's just them. I'm literally, I know I'm in the best shape of my life, and I can say that with no ego. Mm -hmm. And, like, my work is speaking for itself. Mm -hmm. I was like, I had to shut up and just do the work. I was trying to beg and plead, like, give me a chance. I can do it. I'm doing it. But eventually it took someone that was really close to me to tell me, you have to understand where you are right now. You can't yell. You can't scream. You can't force anyone to believe you. You have to show people. Yeah. And from my first true match when I got to wrestle Ray Yehi, and it was just off to the races then, I got to show some of my best work, not just wrestling-wise, my performance, making people believe what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It takes a certain way to make wrestlers who've been in the business 20 years, 30 years, to question themselves, question their psyche when – you twist your ankle or you're asked to do something and you go way, way, way beyond it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know what I can do. And it's just simple opportunities given to me. And I've been doing my due diligence to show that it's not a waste. Yeah. Everything I've done is not been a waste. I'm not doing this for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You just got to keep building up that portfolio of work. You know what I mean? Just laying out until the point where it becomes undeniable. And, and like, you, you see the resume that you're slowly building, you know what I mean? And it, it's becoming that. 
which is really important, you know. And I see you've got some awesome opportunities coming up. Like you're you're wrestling Josh Alexander very soon, aren't you? That's going to be a banger, man. Like he's one of the best going right now in independent wrestling. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that one, man. Do you have you wrestled him before? Is that is that like a new opportunity? So it was my first time. Yeah. Um, I've got to watch a lot of his matches and the way he wrestles, it's masterful. Yeah, 100%. He's literally one of the best for a reason, being a former Impact uh, World Champion, and I can see why. Mm-hmm. And where I am in my life and wrestling wise, I know I can add a lot to that match. Mm-hmm. So the fans that will be there, the fans that are going to be watching, I can't wait to show what we create that night. Yeah, absolutely. And he he's a guy as well. Talk about people who've gone through journeys and stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure he went through a, a weight loss journey as well, if I remember correctly. I think I saw pictures of him in quite a, a you know, heavy dude, and he's turned himself yeah. into the walking weapon, as he called him, calls himself, you know what I mean? He's another guy who's probably the h- hardest working man in the room, you know? So um, it's going to be interesting to see when two people like that, you know what I mean? Uh get to work together and see what you guys so can come up with. It's become like an honor for me to where when people put me in those match cards and they see my name next to theirs or they see, or fans see that, they get excited. Yeah. They're just like, oh, that match is going to steal the show. Or that's matching match. That could be a match on any card anywhere. Uh-huh. That's always been a goal for me. Mm-hmm. One of my goals in wrestling was I just didn't want to suck. <laughs> don't suck and then we'll go from there <laughs> yeah yeah i get it I yeah get it. exactly yeah. and one of my other ones was having people be excited when they wrestle me because when you're excited in something new you want to give your best you don't want to half half ass it so when people when i get to see people's face or they run up and say i can't wait for us to wrestle or i get tagged in those wrestling lists that means the world to me because yeah. me as a wrestler too i know those certain names i know those certain people that i want to wrestle but for a certain point in time i was coming up i wanted to wrestle that guy i want to wrestle that that woman i want to wrestle that any individual in wrestling and for them to acknowledge me like it i was like all right cool so now that i'm in a place where people actually tag me or message me saying they want to wrestle with me it just speaks to me to let me know that what I'm doing means the world to not just my colleagues, but people as fans and future fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. That, and that is the the real goal, right? And then the rest follows after that, you know? Like when, when people are seeking you out, when you start to get that buzz and that starts to build, it just starts to get louder, you know? Um, we've got several mutual friends, um, which is how we came to do this podcast. And every one of those people, like when I mentioned, you know, that we were going to talk, they're like, great dude, great brother. You know what I mean? They they speak about you as a good person before they even talk about how good a wrestler you are, you know? And that is the the key because then the rest, like you can learn more and you can do more and you can do that. But if you're somebody that people don't want to be around or deal with, <laughs> then you're not going to go anywhere either. You know what I mean? So when like yeah. even speaking to you now, I can feel it off you as a very calming, positive energy. And I, I feel like maybe you feel like you found that, you know, over 2020 and, and it's put you in a really good place. Most definitely. Cause I'm, I could be transparent. I wasn't this calming or this very yeah. mature. I was very energetic. My spirit, my 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 vibe was everywhere because I didn't know who I was. I tried to adapt anywhere I could be just to fit in. Yeah, and that led me down a lot of places, a lot of bad bad vibes. And uh-huh. once I removed everything and realized it was my fault and how I showed up in those situations and how I reacted. It taught me that nothing can control things anywhere but me. I can't control anyone else. I can't control anything on the outside. But how I show up to it, how I respond, that is something I can absolutely control. Mm-hmm. So from my actions and my behaviors from then to now, it's like day. But for peers to say that 
and and see that. That means the world to me because, yeah, you can have great wrestling. You can be a great wrestler. But I remember someone close to me at the time saying, you can be a great wrestler, but if you're a shitty person, it does not matter. And it hurt for him to say that, but it was something that I needed to hear because I wasn't living my best life. Mm -hmm. So transitioning and for peers to say that and then to know that I'm truly changing, it means the world to me because I'm going to be a person after way out after I'm wrestling. Yeah. So how I treat people now means more to me than wrestling in a sense because we were all people before we got wrestlers. Mm-hmm. We're just dreamers being amongst dreamers now. Yeah. So I can't treat another dreamer bad yeah, yeah. for something that we wouldn't do. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com slash feels and use the code feels. Now let's get back to the interview. Absolutely. And yeah, it always kind of blows me away with uh, wrestling fandom and wrestling politics and all those things, how negative some people can be. It's like, dude, we're, we're all on the same page. We're all fans of this super niche thing that. that many people don't fucking get. And we're fighting amongst ourselves over dumb shit. Like I, I don't understand it and I don't engage with it. Like to, to I, do it. I nah. just look at it like, yeah, it's like what what are you doing? And then it's funny, right? You said that you know you wanted to be a wrestler so bad, and you were throwing everything into it, and you were neglecting who you are and you know what you are. And now you you're actually working on your yourself, and then the rest of that follows. And then as a result, you know your wrestling improves and your persona improves, and it becomes more of that. And it just goes to show that who the infinite man is who TIM is. It's you. It's just turned up. So if you're living your best life, then he will be his best. You know, I, it doesn't work the other way. Otherwise, this is, yeah, it's just a mess. And that's what most people make the mistake of thinking. was like, if I put all this time into one character to that, then everything else is going to save me or be great around. It's like, you don't know the true person who that is. You are creating them. You know you're trying to figure out who you are. So if anything goes amiss, this whole world goes to shit again. You know who you are. Yeah. So you can apply it to any situation because you're just putting yourself in worldly situations. The world of wrestling is the exact same thing in life. We just put that in different scenarios, different matches, and we call it something else. But once you link the two and you understand it, you can connect with the fans because us as wrestlers, we're deemed as superheroes or supervillains. Mm-hmm. But that one thing that keeps us connected with villains and heroes is their emotions. Yeah. Superhero can be sad. I can be sad. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I fly, but I know how to be sad. <laughs> yeah. So when Lois Lane doesn't call him or she's talking to some other dude and he's getting jealous, oh, I've been that time. I've been just. Yeah. I understand, man. Uh-huh. So if I can understand that and apply that in my matches, or apply that to me in such uh, certain such scenario, certain scenarios, big lips. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I can have a kid that's five years old relating to a man that's seventy-five mm-hmm. because they both have those same emotions. Absolutely, hundred percent. So. Just realizing that has helped my wrestling, helped my promos, helped my connection with not just fans, but people 
tremendously. It also I helps had to figure out who I was first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That also helps with like uh, villains and and heels and all those things because most people are not the villain in their own story. You know what I mean? There's yeah, motivations there, exactly. So like, you know, the crowd can detest you and stuff, but you need to feel sort of like um, justified in what you're doing in your despicable actions. I was wronged this is the right way I'm writing this and then it's all going to be okay and blah, blah, blah. And then, and they're like, no, no, you can't do it that way. And you're like, no, you don't understand. I am right. I am the one who is right. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get mad. Yeah, exactly. It's based in reality. You know, if you're just being cartoony and stuff, then like, you know, it may play in a small show, but but there's no legs in it. You know, that's the magic of storytelling, you know, that's psychology. We all grew up hating Joker until we all grew up and became situations with Joker. Well, exactly right. Exactly right. And Joker's kind of one of the best because he definitely doesn't think he's a villain. He definitely does evil things, but he's more just like to entertain himself. You know what I mean? It's like he's... He, he loves Batman, like, in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? He's like, no, you don't understand. You need me. Like, otherwise, yeah, you can't I, be your I best. You. <laughs> exactly. It's like, wait, look at us. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's amazing, man. It's so cool. Um, we, before, before we started speaking, we, we had a, a brief talk, like we mentioned, about the lengths we go for professional wrestling and, like, the addiction for that. And that was really interesting, so I wanted to touch back on it because, like you said, 15, 20 minutes in a ring or whatever, driving eight hours to be there. That's like the level of addiction. I myself have traveled across the world to watch wrestling. I've been to Japan five times and been to Wrestle Kingdoms and stuff. Oh, it's it's amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. I talk about it on this podcast all the time. People are always sick of hearing about it. But uh, it's really my favorite place in the world, and I hope one day to go back there. Um, and, yeah, and it, it really inspired me to get even more and more into wrestling. It's how I discovered deathmatch wrestling. Um, yeah, and, and... I started off as a deathmatch wrestling fan. Yeah, what, before like, regular? I watch, yeah, I was watching, um, well, of course, ECW, yeah, uh, XPW. My favorite uh, hardcore wrestling was uh, Messiah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Loved him. Uh-huh. But then I tried it in the backyard. I was like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> I don't know if I could but do it, but I like to it. The death match wrestlers because I know it takes guts and they're storytellers too. Yeah, beautiful storytellers. Like there's storytelling in every style of wrestling if you actually look at it. Yeah, and don't critique it. Yeah, you just shut up and look at it. You can see a storytelling in death matches, in luchadors, uh, midget wrestling, southern wrestling. There's a story in everything because it's all based off scenarios that we've all been through yeah. in life. Exactly. That's it. I mean, unless you're wrestling in ladders, I don't, I don't really get that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. that would they they're my personal like worst one to watch. They stress me out <laughs> like so much. They fucking stress me out. Uh, yeah, I mean we met through a deathmatch wrestler, through Neil Diamond Cutter, who's like an amazing dude. Like, you know, so I love him. Yeah, I love him so much. Dude, he's probably like been one of, if not my biggest supporter since I started doing this. He was my first ever international interview and has been like just a good friend ever since, you know what I mean? He's a, a champion of mine, and I can never thank him enough for, for the support yeah, he gives yeah. me in I French friendship. Him down in uh, Georgia. Yeah. Uh, when he was riding with the hooligans at the time. Oh, wow. So that, and, that long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he was sleeping under, I think he was sleeping on the couch. Uh-huh. And one of my friends, I guess, he like, he's in wrestling business too. Uh-huh. Uh, I won't say his name, though, because like the end of his fight. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And I guess because he didn't know who Neil was and he was a small stature, he was like, hey, can you get, bring it up so I can lay down? He's like, well, no, he's been wrestling for 13 years, so you can F off. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And Neil just turned around. He's like, mm. And turned back around and <laughs> back to sleep. I'm like, yes, I don't know you, but I love you. <laughs> Grizzled old vet. And he has been cool and respectful and helped me ever since then. Yeah. So much shout out to... The cutter himself. Yeah. He, he just loves to help people, man. He's got a heart of gold, the honey badger. He's, he's he like does. an amazing dude. Um, what's uh, What do you think's the craziest um, 
journey you've ever taken to get to a match. You know what I mean? Like the longer, yeah. longest drive to the stupidest place. Like, you know? I have so many, but one in particular. I drove from Raleigh, North Carolina to Mississippi to Atlanta, Georgia to Boston, Massachusetts back to Charlotte in the weekend's time. Whoa. Now, I'm not good with my American geography, but that sounds far. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. How many, how many hours we talk about total on the road? 50 hours. Oh, my God. I would just be dead. I would have crashed my car and just I'd just fallen asleep and, and died. Like there was three times we almost did. Oh my god. Sorry. Because it was it was me and my girlfriend at the time driving and we had another wrestler, but he was more of a vet. Uh-huh. And back then, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it was mostly me driving because my girlfriend at the time she couldn't drive very good. So <laughs> It was a lot of me driving. Yeah, man. And we got to uh, Boston, and we had to make try to make it back to the next show, and they were all saying they were tired. I was like, we got to sleep in the car, because I know if we sleep right now, we're not going to make it. Yeah. They was like, please. And I was the newest in the business, so I lost automatically. Yeah. Uh, it was like just two hours. As soon as they went to sleep, I already called the promoter. I was like, hey, we're not going to make it. I'm sorry. So their two hour nap two hour nap turned into seven hours. Wow. So I'm just sitting in the car just waiting for him. I, I packed everything up. I packed uh their gear, putting it in. I'm just like waiting. Not mad. I'm just You didn't even sleep or Mm-mm. No. Jesus. Just drove back. And then there's one time I went from Raleigh to Iowa. And that was far because we did like, besides stopping for gas, we didn't do anything else but we had to make it in time. So we got there, rustled, and then had to leave directly back. So 20 hours there, 20 hours back. And my partner at the time did not drive. Oh. Jesus. Yeah. You look exhausted just re- remembering it. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I used to um I used to work for a power company for a time and I used to drive and do like uh audits and go read meters of regional properties and, and things like that. So I would on average drive about eight hours a day. And I straight up got out of it just because I thought I was going to die. Like I just kept like by the end of the day I'd be so tired that I would just be like nodding off at the wheel, you know, mini micro naps. Like, and I was like, this yeah, is not have cool. To have remedies of energy drinks and how to mix and match it with coffee and all this. I have like five different mixtures to keep me up on the road. That's I, not safe. I, no, no, it's not. I would need an insane mixture because I could drink a coffee right now and immediately go to sleep. Like, it doesn't affect me in that way. And I'll tell you, man, there, there was this one time where I was like, I need to now get another job. Uh, there's a place here. It's kind of like uh, this main cemetery on the way south. And no joke, when I tell you I woke up behind the wheel and I was heading off the road towards the cemetery, I was like, I'm just about to crash through this fence, flip through the windscreen, <laughs> land in a grave, and you can just cover me with sand right now because right. it's a wrap on me. Oh, like. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a convenient place to crash and die. <laughs> Give me that. Right. But I was like, this is a sign I need to not do this anymore. It was bad for me when I was uh, being a gymnast instructor mm-hmm. and I was spotting one of the uh, girls and I had her up uh, for a back handspring. She jumped, I caught her. Yeah. But I was yawning. So we're next oh, to the no. pit. She jumps, I catch, but I'm just like, we <laughs> both fall into the pit. And Thankfully, with me being as goofy as I was there, they thought I was just playing. Yeah. It was like, Mr. Tim, is so crazy. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. I need a break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, there was one, our very first trip to Japan, right, 
was the trip that broke me forever. So we went for like two weeks. Uh, seven of us went. So it was like my wife, uh, myself, my um, my sister-in-law and, and her boyfriend at the time, their brother and whatever. You know, we're all there together. And we, yeah. when I say we partied for the entire time and drank constantly, like every moment of every day, it's not an exaggeration. Like I, we went to Okinawa and there's this massive tank. It's like Jurassic World, whale sharks in it. This is amazing. And when I say that I was standing in front of that tank and I fell asleep and slid down the glass, like it was just like, I went like this and like started. And then I like woke up and my face was on the glass and I have never recovered. That trip made me so tired that to this day, I no longer have any energy. Like it, it broke something in me on that trip that I've never recovered from. And like, it's the same thing. Like I've been walking down the street and like, falling asleep, like standing up and stuff. The girls had to like pull me back up straight. I walked into a poor lady who was coming down a ramp from a train station in Japan, walking her little bike, and I fell asleep onto her as I was walking up the ramp because I was just, I'm at peak. I'm exhausted now just thinking about it. I don't think I'll ever recover. <laughs> like, my awake switch was broken permanently. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's part of it. So uh, do you still have to do any crazy drives or not? Now that you're, I suppose it's worse when you're a rookie, right? And there's a, you were dealing with all that vet stuff they used to do and stuff. Now is everybody a little bit more realistic where they're like, let's take turns so we don't die? Uh, I have a pretty good uh, driving partner now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's getting there to where people want to fly me in. Uh, like if people would fly me in more often. Mm -hmm. I'm y'all promoters. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm not releasing this video, but he got very close to the camera to stare all promoters in the yeah, eye. Yeah. <laughs> the video is just so we can see each other and not talk over each other. Oh, I got you. I understand. Yeah, yeah, just exactly. Put in Tim looks a long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no mate. I wish I was <laughs> recording it so I could release it as a GIF if you just like eyeball directly into the camera. No, but uh, it's getting better. Um, and it was basically me being better at how I get my bookings because I'll take a booking in Tennessee Friday mm -hmm. and try to drive to Chicago Saturday and then try to drive down uh, to Kentucky uh, Sunday. Yeah. But have to be back to work at Monday. Mm -hmm. That was making no sense to me. It was just being ambitious and eager to wrestle. But now it's just me understanding the cost where I make the most money in, in the sense of value with how you push my brain for the promoters to care enough to want to book me there. Yeah. Uh, just understanding the business more. Yeah. So learning my lessons helped me. Yeah, absolutely. That's when all. you first start out, it's natural to just push and push and push and get in as many eyes as possible and sort of make that investment in time and money and fuel and all those kind of things. But then after a while, you've then got to start to understand your value, right? And yeah. uh, and people respect that, you know, or at least the ones that are, you know, legit do. And then, you know, yeah, you, you get what that. you're worth. <laughs> exactly. Then you get what you're worth and then everybody's happy and, you know, they get the best performance out of you because you haven't and just driven 50 like, hours. I'm not trying like, to break people over their heads. It was like, hey, I would like this because I know I can get two cheeseburgers from here and I'll have <laughs> money left. And I would get the biggest attitude. I remember one time I asked... For a certain amount, it wasn't even the triple digits. I was like, hey, guys, get this for gas. Yeah. And I got reprimanded in a sense, like a paragraph asking, like, I don't know where you think you're getting this much, but I would never ask for that. Even when I was going out of state, I was like, well, did you consider asking? And then they blocked me. Yeah. But now it's more so me understanding the perception, uh, projection of others. It's like just because they couldn't do it or they don't see things in their head, they don't go off of that. And I get that. Mm -hmm. It takes people to show them in other ways and other venues and other promotions what they were trying to you're trying to present in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I'll try to present this all of last year before it really uh, back in two thousand nineteen before it all got off and nobody really wanted to do it. Yeah. 
I was in a tag team, and once we broke up, people didn't really see much in me yeah. as a single, so I had to show people. And those same promotions I was working for, literally trying to, I was trying to give deals. They would say no to me. They wouldn't respond to me. So actually, when they show, um, actually show them what I was doing now, those same promotions would reach back out. But the rate I was giving then was not the same now. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, feelings get mixed in business. And yeah. That's it. Things change. Things have improved. Uh, there's... There's other offers on the table and things like that, and it doesn't make sense to go backwards. You know what I mean? Things change. Price of living's harder. There's lots of there's lots of reasons. You know what I mean? But business is business, and you know it's not a personal thing. You know, it's like I'd like to do business with you, but but like you know, you can't you can't be I just. I come up with this whole thing that helps me process sense of that when it don't really the things don't really come about. Nothing personal. It's just infinite. Exactly right. That's it. It's a. It's. It's just the way of the world. You know what I mean. And your your value will continue to grow as you continue to do these great things, man. So where can people find you right now? Where Where are you popping up? I know you're at. Is it AML? You're the champion there, and that's where you're wrestling, Alexander. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I am the AML Prestige Champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, right there. You would consider that my home promotion at the time. Uh, I wrestled for Gouge while I originally started. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see me at FWE uh, March 12th. Uh, I actually have a promotion starting with association with a couple of friends of mine. Oh, really? Called Hit Club Pro. Cool. It's a wrestling promotion down in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, okay. Uh, it'll be starting off uh, March 18th. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys will be down there. You have AJ Gray. IWTV World Champion, AC Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll have myself. You'll have a lot of people down there showing and proving why the wrestling is, is hot down North Carolina. But awesome. we're putting a different spin on it. Uh-huh. And I think things are going to happen really greatly there. That's uh, awesome. The next night, on the 19th, I'll be in Mega in Ohio. A lot of the great things are coming out of that uh, place down with Brandon Xavier. He's done great things with uh, those students there. And I, I've been working with them, and I can't wait to be with them and Russell. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things have been coming up greatly, but it's really sporadically, and I'm going off of how the universe books it for me. Yeah. I have an email. You can hit me up at info, the infinite man, at gmail.com. I have a fan page on Facebook. Uh, right now, it's still Timmy Lou Retton. I'm trying to work on the kinks on that. Uh, uh, you can find me on Instagram, The Infinite Man. I don't really use Twitter, but you can follow me on Twitter, uh, <laughs> on The Infinite Man. Um, but, yeah, just introducing people to a new and improved Tim and letting them get on this journey while it's still at the root of everything. Yeah. That's it. Get on the ground floor, people. Go follow the man at all the places. The infinite man at all the places you can see him. Hit Club Pro sounds interesting, man. I'll have to get some more info from you on that. Is that going to be live anywhere when it drops, or what's the go? Uh, we're still working on uh, platforms, okay. uh, streaming, but once I get everything, I'll definitely ship it your way. Please. Because we can use all the hype we can on Absolutely. Going to be very, very great. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to help you promote, man. That would be awesome. I'd love to see what you guys have got planned. And uh, yeah, w- once you're getting closer to it and stuff, let's uh, touch base on it and everybody keep their eyes peeled because uh, I think that'll be awesome. Most definitely. Thank you so much. No worries, man. So everybody out there, make sure you check out the Infinite Man, T-I-M, everywhere that social media exists. He's popping up everywhere. He's on AEW Dark at the moment. He'll probably be, I don't know, the champion of that soon enough as well. So just <laughs> keep it. Watch your ass, Adam Page. Uh, I can't wait to see what's next for you, man. This was a really interesting talk to just get in your head and really talk about mindset, dude. It's like uh, it's a positive conversation, and I, I can't wait to see what you do, dude. Thank you. I, again, thank you so much for your patience and your grace for the past two weeks. And I, it was well worth the wait, Yeah, I feel, though. Um, 
I look forward to talking more with you. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Pleasure getting to know you. Anytime you need anything from me, please open invite, yes? Excellent. Yes, sir. That's amazing, man. So everybody out there for the infinite man, T-I-M, and for Faces and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter, at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook, at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a Deathmatch Wrestling promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something. <laughs>